Now, how do you really do that coaching? One of the ways is to observe your leaders in action regularly. I went to a particular seminary in the United States, and this seminary supposedly had the reputation of being able to raise up good preachers. That is, they had that reputation until they enrolled me as a student. I've told you already what the what I think the most wonderful invention in the 20th century is. It is the post-it note. I will now tell you what I think the worst invention in the 20th century. It is the video camera. It is the video camera. The video camera was invented just before I went to seminary. And they would put the video camera in the chapel, and you would preach to the crowds that were out there, the, the professor and five students. And that little red light would be on on the video camera, and then you would have to watch yourself on video. That's a painful experience. I am still in counseling over it. In fact, the pain is so great, I do not own a video camera, nor do I ever intend to own a video camera. I mean, I'll have a cellular phone, a computer, and everything else, you know, fax machine, but no video camera. And so I was going to have to go the next day after preaching my first sermon and watch myself on video. It seemed like the more preaching classes I took, the worse I got. So I remember very vividly my morning devotions with God before having to go in and watch that video camera. I quite honestly prayed to God that I would get sick. Now I know most of you pray that God will heal you. I prayed to God that he would make me sick. And I was most disappointed when he did not listen to me. Uh, well put phrase. Good movement at the transition. I noticed that he only said positive things. I also noticed that sometimes there are extremely long pauses between his comments. <laughs> After it was over, he shut off the video. He said, Bob, let me tell you what your three strengths in preaching are. And he listed three things. Then he shared something with me that was worth the entire price I paid for seminary. He said, Bob, you don't get better by focusing on your weaknesses. You get better by accentuating your strengths. When you tend to focus on your strengths, your weaknesses will tend to disappear. Let me tell you again what your three strengths are. That one conversation taught me the most valuable lesson I learned in all of seminary. Put it in principle form, it would be this way. Affirmation is the foundation of change. When people finish doing something, what they don't want is a list of 45 things they did wrong. What they, what they need is a list of the specific things they did right. And the more specific you are in the description of that behavior, the more likely that behavior is to be repeated. And after you begin to specifically affirm, they'll start feeling better about themselves. And then invariably, after listing about eight or nine or ten things, they'll say, well, is there anything I could have done to have improved? That's not the time to take out your A4-sized paper filled out on both sides with suggestions. It's the time to pick one thing that is doable, that would be the most helpful thing for them next. And to give them an opportunity to practice that skill and then to be able to work on it and implement it, and that's how leaders grow best. 
It's amazing what you can do if you'll just focus on the positive. Catch somebody doing something right and affirm that. I, I remember one time we had a new kid in our worship band. And he was a high school student. He came from a pretty difficult family background. Uh, that's kind of an understatement. It was a very difficult background. And he was a talented musician, so we put him in the band. And as he was playing his guitar, here's what he looked like. The guy looked like he'd been baptized in vinegar. <laughs> now, I happen to like more joyful and celebrative worship. You know, you looked at that guy and it didn't look like he was having any joy at all. You know, it's kind of like... And I was, I was not happy about that at all. And I watched this guy for three or four weeks. It bothered me so much, I, I really didn't worship God for three or four weeks during that time. You know, it's horrible. Because I was kind of just watching him all the time. And I said, this isn't good. And after watching him for three or four weeks, I noticed one time where he looked up and smiled and then went back to him. <laughs> And I said, aha! Well, he's That's my to. opportunity. Because I was particularly concerned not of coming down hard on this kid. He, he lived in a home that, that he'd been beat up his whole life. So in between the services, I came up to him. And I put my arm around him and said, Randy, do you know what you did? What? What did I do? He's kind of a spacey kid. What did I do? Huh? And I said, you smiled. And I said, you know what that made me want to do? It made me really want to worship God. It was great. I was doing it about like that. You know, he was a high school student. You know, sometimes you got to do something dramatic to get their attention. <laughs> Now, Now, this is one place where introverts have advantages over extroverts. Extroverts bubble over everybody all the time. So you never know when to take them seriously. <laughs> But when you see an introvert go bananas, everybody takes notice. So introverts of the world unite. We have some power when we do this. <laughs> Guess what he did during the next service? And that started him on a development path that now, ten years later, he is helping to start a church for the younger generation within the church that, that I had started. And he's serving as the pastor of that group. See, observe your leaders regularly and affirm what they do well, specifically. And make sure that the ratio of affirmation to correction is about ten to one. As a minimum. Now, there's another thing that's important in the, in the coaching process. 